notice that a lot in public when I'm in public places, you know, restaurants, stores, movie theaters, the worst oh, place God, to, to yeah. be to be loud. Just people's lack of awareness of people around them and where they are and how they should just act accordingly when they're around strangers. Yeah. Shocking I mean, baffles my mind. Yeah, I mean I mean look, if you're a kid or something kids right, act right. like kids but adults it's adults that just seem to just not have a, any sense in their minds and they just act like fools all the time i just don't get it but all right well let's let's get into the podcast so yes yeah so if you if this is your first time uh, uh, catching us here i'm stephen billings this is the cinema discovery project and with me as always is mr andrew cabral how you doing man i'm doing good i'm doing good yeah, we're coming at you this week with kind of a special, almost um, inspired episode, inspired by what is happening here, in that you know every February is a celebration of Black History Month here in the United States. Um, granted, you could, you should probably celebrate, you There's know, Black History black all history the time, all over the world. Of yeah, course, I mean, yes. you should always, you know, Black History is history. It's one of the same. But anywho, they like to single out. February in honor black history and things like that here in the United States. So Stephen and I decided that, you know what, let's discuss some of our favorite films that were directed by African-Americans or just black Black directors directors, in general, general, because uh, we want to mention that although black history month is, is something that we celebrate here in the United States, uh, it's not only African-American cinema that, that contains, you know, themes and cultural things for the African before the black community, but it's kind of a global thing as well. You know, it's sure. not just here. Um, and we also want to mention that while we're probably going to be discussing more contemporary movies, probably movies within the last, you know, 30, 40 years, but black cinema goes back all the way to the silent era. You know, once again, we get back down to the bedrock of cinema history with the silent movies. And of course, it progressed on from there. And just, you know, we're not going to go into it in too much depth. I think that's something we want to save for when we do a lot more proper research, really dive into the history of black cinema. So, but I do want to touch on a few things where, of course, there's a lot of cultural and political context that you need to know when it comes to black cinema, because it's very much impacted it. You know, the idea of segregation definitely impacted black cinema you know segregation was all the way up into the 1950s 60s era yeah so before then you know african-american people couldn't go to regular theaters they had to go to their own special theaters and of course there were probably films catered to those audiences as well as in the other you know non-segregated no not non-segregated but you know white theaters if you will sure so of course there's a lot of things like that of course when it comes to the way African Americans have been portrayed in Hollywood cinema, it's very controversial, especially early on. You have, you know, them being portrayed as caricatures and stereotypes being implemented. A lot of times you get people who are white portraying black black people using blackface, which yeah. apparently is something people still do now because <laughs> all you see in the news is people like, you know, 20, 30, 10, whatever years ago. Uh, pictures are unearthed of them, you know, in Halloween costumes in blackface. And I'm like, what, what are you, what are you people doing? What? Yeah. It's, it's never been okay. It's let never alone, been okay. <laughs> let alone now, then, or ever. What are you, 
what are you doing? It's it's boggles Once again, the mind. Them, them, them adults. The there's adults that are just fools out there. It's just, yeah, <laughs> and it's adults doing it. It's not like, you know, kids. Even even kids. Why would adults let kids get away with stuff like that? But anywho, so but, but also the other thing is 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 and and it's uh, unfortunately it's how it is. Is that unfortunately there. We we do have uh, you know a lot of directors to talk about here, but there really isn't enough to talk about. Unfortunately. No, unfortunately, just doing very brief research on this subject is you find a lot of the quote unquote best or well known uh, black directors are from the last 35, 40 years, and there's only quite a handful of them that have really emerged as being very been able well to known. break into the mainstream of sorts. Yeah, very basically. much being break into the mainstream. And what is interesting is that I think right now we're going through a bit of a renaissance with this awareness of black directors and the films that they are making and the quality of the films they are making, I think are fantastic. Um, when it comes to kind of films in the past, you have, you know, certain movements with like within any other film genre, you know, you had black exploitation films in the seventies in the kind of late eighties and early and nineties, you have, you know, more urban type films, which yeah. we're probably going to definitely get into very, very soon because the, very much, I find that's unique about black cinema is that it's very much a reflection of its culture and the times that the films are made in, you know what I well, mean? Definitely. I mean, that's, I mean, that's, you could say that basically for any, any, right. uh, True. you know, ethnicity, you know, most of the time it's about their experience. It's a certain races or certain, uh, ethnicities experience in their culture. I mean, it's, you know, whether it's Asian culture where, you know, of course, a lot of their back in the day, a lot of their stuff was about samurais and and their that that discipline and that you know kind of thing. That they are culture that is very into the martial arts, and you know, right. a lot of their films are martial art movies, and no, and, no, and, that, and of yeah, course, was, they're really into yeah. discipline and family. So a lot of their movies yeah, are about family. And, yeah, you know. So when I think of kind of reflecting of society, I think a lot of the post World War II Japanese cinema. Yeah was very much reflecting on the changing of its culture and the changing of society. I think a lot of about that with Ozu and Kurosawa and people like that, really um, it, using those themes and really showing that culture. But getting back to black cinema, um, right off the bat, I kind of want to dive, dive into one of my favorite films, you know, of all time. I was telling Steven this right before the podcast, and that's Spike Lee's Do the Right Thing. Definitely. I want to yeah. start off, you know, literally at the tippy top, at least. Yeah, for me. it's what it, you know. Spike Lee, Spike Lee's always been a controversial filmmaker. For, I mean, obviously that's that's part of who he is, but um, I, I can't deny that some of his films are very, very good. And and uh, do the right thing is probably the best. It's it's maybe his crowning achievement still. I think um, it is. Yeah. And what is interesting with Spike Lee is that he's kind of part of that independent. Uh, American cinema that kind of cropped up in the late 80s and definitely in the 90s where you get people like I mentioned before Robert Rodriguez, Tarantino, Kevin Smith, Steven Soderbergh, others etc etc he was definitely much part of that generation and what I find interesting about Spike Lee is his films are so unique especially his 80s work which I've just kind <laughs> of recently got into um, things like She's Gotta Have It and stuff like that are just so unique and so avant-garde documentary he's style. got a very he's got a very interesting directing style in his movies especially his earlier films because he used a lot of you know like oblique angles a lot of them them 
sideways angles that were very in, it, it, almost like a what Kenneth Branagh does, you know. Yeah, he used a lot of um unique angles just to keep people kind of interested and off guard and yeah, just engaged with his films and just the editing style in general was just so interesting i remember like she's got to have it's all almost like an like an interview documentary type style as well where they'll just yeah. kind of cut to people just talking about stuff and it ha that happens and do the right thing as well it happens a lot like you know you'll see a character radio rahim will you know be walking down the street and all of a sudden you know you'll get a a monologue of him that's you know a reference to night of the hunter where he's got he's got those um uh the, kind of the rings on he's his got the, he's got like the brass knuckle rings yeah the brass knuckle rings and it's like and it's and he's going into that whole you know that the whole thing from night of love the Hunter, and hate love and hate yeah and you know like how they're constantly battling within us you know love and hate is yeah. kind of the two strongest emotions in the world and they really are and what i find so amazing about do the right thing is how contemporary it is or how more contemporary it just keeps getting because the themes in the movie don't go away. They're still. They're oh no! Still I mean today. that that particular scene you're talking about literally is kind of the, it is the 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 theme of the movie. I mean, it's it, he's literally describing what ends up happening in the movie, where you know, even though it coins love and hate can coexist together, every once in a while it's going to battle, and by the end of the movie, there's you know a fight. <laughs> you know the thing that ends up with hate clashing and. And you know differences of opinion and clashing and 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 just turning into a tragic tragic event, of course. Yeah, basically, if you're not familiar with the film, a, it takes place on like a really really hot summer day in an urban setting, I believe in Brooklyn, not a big stretch for Spike Lee. You know, you know he seems to set a lot of his early films in that kind of you know Brooklyn, New York setting. I believe that's where he's from. So he yeah. set it there, and what you get is just this powder keg that just keeps building throughout this movie as the, the you know the, it's everyone's sweating it's so hot and what you get is a cross-section of all the different type of characters literally characters that you see in this urban setting you've got you know the three guys sitting outside the three older gentlemen they're, they're, sitting my outside they're like my favorite who are just talking about whatever they have Nonsense, no filter yeah. whatsoever you've got uh, the mayor who just wants to get his miller high life from the uh the convenience <laughs> store that's run by uh yeah, Asian people um, run by uh, it's an Asian market. And then there, and then the other people will be commenting on, you know, they come here and they, they set up shop and then they charge us and all that kind of stuff. You know, it's very much a political, political commentary on race relations and stuff like that. And then you have the, you also have this pizzeria that's run by Danny, Danny Aiello. And I think his sons work for him. And one of them is John Turturro. Yeah. And, one of the major conflicts in the movie is the fact that he on his wall, he's got pictures of all of these like famous Italian people, but he's got yeah. no pictures of any famous, you know, black people. And it's a point of contention in the film. Uh, Spike Lee stars in the film as well as Mookie. And he's the delivery boy for this pizzeria. And he's got his own thing going on with uh, Rosie Perez, who's, kind of like his girlfriend and and stuff like that yeah, kind of yeah and, well they uh, have a son together so at least yeah. they do they do yeah, so yeah. they have they have a somewhat definitely a relationship, relationship of some kind of some kind yeah but um, but it's i i think that that's what makes the. i mean a lot of times in spike lee's movies i feel like, i mean obviously i i, I he, a lot of his stuff comes with a, a, a sense of anger behind it i feel like um 
but this social, movie, I think social commentary, heavy. Yeah, like I, th- I feel like he always yeah. a lot of times takes like one point of view, one side a lot of times. But in this one, I felt it was a little bit more open because I think that you see where certain characters, you know, like you were saying, the, the situation where you know there's these all these Italian people on the wall, and the one character is like, "Why ain't there any black people up on the wall? Why why is it? Why ain't there any brothers up here?" You know, and so the the one guy wants to like. Uh, you know, basically get this place shut down. He wants to, he wants to get everybody to get this place, the pizza place shut down because he, he's b- basically saying that this guy's being racist. And even though a black people come in and keep his business running, he won't put any black people on the wall. But you know, then the Spike Lee characters, it's like, like who cares? Like it's, it's like about accepting other people's beliefs or other people's, right. you know, how they like to live their life. If they, you know, it's his shop. He's an Italian man. He has Italian people on his wall. Leave it alone. It's his place. Why can't he be, do, be the way he wants to be? But on the other hand of that, the other guy's got a point where he's like, dude, we we keep your place afloat. Why can't we have any African-American things in here when there's always African-American people in your store? Like, it's like, can there not be like a, a an equality, like somewhere a middle ground there? But it's like, you know, so it's interesting that, you know, there's a lot of situations like that. Like also with the three gentlemen sitting on the corner, the one guy gets really upset about the Asians and owning that market, you know, and he's like, well, you know, you're from another country too. You're, you know, you came here too. And, you know, what have you done? Like, what are you going to do? Like they came here and did something successful. Stop complaining that somebody did something you couldn't do. So it's like, it's like, there's always these like, uh, people's anger coming from the wrong places sometimes. And, uh, you know, just people being ignorant or people being, you know, and not really thinking about where their hate comes from. So it's, it, yeah, I think it's a really, I think the movie hits a good middle ground. Right. And yeah, it's very open. Like, like you say about giving all the sides and it feels very natural Yeah, because that's, you know, people, you know, in a neighborhood like that, that you're going to get a cross section of, you know, different ideas and different. Well, just and there's also, like you said, the mayor character. Uh, yeah, played um, by he's, uh, Ossie Davis. Yes, yes, and he's he's considered the bum of the neighborhood. Right. But really, but, you don't know about. He has a scene where these kids are, you know, pestering him and saying that he's a nobody and he's nothing. But they don't know that the fact that he basically lost his family, you know, because he went poor because he didn't have a job. He tried to get a job. He couldn't. He lost his family. And then now he's, you know, just a broken man. I mean, right. if you haven't been through that, you don't now, when you don't know what somebody's gone through, you can't judge them, you know? And it's, it's so, it, and and then, and the thing is, is that was black people judging other black people. So that yeah. shows you an, even another level of perspective. Yeah. It does play on that whole idea of, you know, you know, fighting with, you know, that for a, for a group of people that are so marginalized, you know, so, you know, oppressed or subjugated or whatever, they shouldn't be fighting amongst themselves. They should be unified, you know, their unity, their strength and unity and stuff like that. I think that's what Spike Lee was commenting on when he, in that scene, this film is filled with people you probably are aware of now. Uh, The late, great, like I said, Ossie Davis, Ruby D's in the film, Spike Lee's in the film. Uh, John Martin Lawrence is in the film. (laughs) Uh, Giancarlo Esposito is in the film. And he's playing a character called Bugging Out, and he's yeah. the one who, who who you were mentioning was kind of freaking out about, you know, not having, uh, you know, brothers on the wall or whatever. Yeah. And yeah. and it and there's a and there's a quote at the end of the movie, and I can't remember the quote. It's from Malcolm X, and people have kind of ruminated about, you know, what it means or whatever, because there's, you know, there's this duality, 
of you know this contrasting in philosophies between Martin Luther King and Malcolm X, and it's kind of like you know like we were talking about that love hate type of thing yeah. where. Martin Luther King is kind of seen as the love side and then Malcolm X being the more extreme when it came to the civil rights movement would be seen as the hate side. And very interesting is that Spike Lee would go on to make a Malcolm X movie. Yeah. One of his follow-ups to um, do the, to do the right thing. And that's kind of one of my, I think one of my favorite films as well from him. Malcolm X, I think is just a very powerful biopic. One of the better biopics I think we've seen. Um, well, that's a good. I mean, we yeah, could go but, on about Spike Lee all day, but yeah, uh, I know we can. I just wanted to but, transition but, into. But there is a good transition there. You know, talking about that, we could go to a, a female director, a Ava Ooh. DuVernay, who did okay. uh, a, a Martin Luther King uh, biopic, yeah, that's uh, very Selma. True. So yes, she did, and, and which um, Malcolm X was in. Well, the character, the someone portrayed Malcolm X in the film. Yeah. Um, coincidentally, yeah, Ava DuVernay is fantastic director. Uh, she's I, I can't wait to see what her other projects that she's working on. She's not only did Selma, which I think is an astonishing film. That's a powerful movie. My goodness, it's a it's an emotionally powerful movie, and just fantastically well acted, well directed. Um, man, came out in 2014. If you haven't seen this movie yet, watch this movie because it 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 is something to see. Um, this was. The first time I, I was uh, made aware of the talented David Oyelowo, who portrayed yeah. uh, Dr. Martin Luther King, and he is amazing in the movie as well. Yeah, he was I, I famously gypped that year, I think, oh, from yeah. the Academy Award nomination. Um, yes, yes, I think the film itself was was. Well, you know, I, I like the movie. I didn't love the movie. I, I think I honestly, I mean, if I'm being honest and, and maybe I need to watch it again, but I found the direction to be a little bit stale in that movie. Ooh. Uh, and I know, I know, I'm shooting shooting guns off now, but but <laughs> it doesn't mean that I don't think she's talented. I th I do, I definitely think she's talented. I've, I I need to see she has. A, didn't she have a famous documentary she did before this? Uh, um, so, she it it was following this. It was her following. It's called Thirteen, right? Yeah, Thirteen. Yes, or Thirteenth. Uh, let me look. I'm looking right now. But I know she she recently did Wrinkle in Time, which was her first kind of big yeah. delving into to a big budget movie. Yeah, Thirteenth came out in 2016, which was after this. That dealt with, um, talk about you know racial, uh, you know racism in society. You know, it's an in depth look at uh, the prison system in the United States yeah. and how it reveals the nation's history of racial inequality. It, basically, it's, it's really a film the, about racial idea inequality. Is that that, that it's basically the the newest form of slavery for African Americans yeah, is, but is it, the jail system. The documentary is so much more in depth than that. Oh, it's of course, yeah. All about stereotypes, perception, and yeah. all this kind of stuff. It's it's very in depth. It's available on Netflix. I think it was produced by Netflix or distributed by them. And yeah, it's really really good. But like you said, she did go after that to do more mainstream in A Wrinkle in Time, which not a lot of people liked. And it didn't do very well at the box office, unfortunately. I didn't think it was particularly. Uh, bad. It's not terrible, but it de it definitely. I don't know. I don't know who's to blame because I don't right. know if because this was a big budget movie. I think it was it a Disney movie. It was. Yeah. So so who's to think? Who's to know if maybe Disney didn't you know cut cut the cut this movie up and 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 mess up the the ultimate vision that Ava no DuVernay idea. had so. I don't know I I don't know all I know is this is some people really do like it and you can if 
you know, if you so choose. I think film has a lot of positive things about it and some negative things about it. It's definitely it. directed I, well. Yeah, I, I did a whole I did a whole review about it on my channel, and I know Steven's talked about it and stuff. Um, yeah, but she's working on, um, I believe, a Central Park 5 miniseries now. And Central Park 5 is that famous... Um, there's actually already been a Ken Burns documentary on it where those kids who were accused of uh, of a crime that they didn't commit and they were put in prison and all that kind of stuff. Um, definitely do research on that, but she's also working on uh, the new gods, the, you know, the DC movie or the DCEU movie, you know, from the, the famous comic book by Jack, Jack Kirby. Yes. And so I'm curious to see one, if that movie gets made, because you never know with Warner yeah. Brothers in DC, they just announce stuff and then they just yeah, kind of goes away. Just go away, yeah. <laughs> goes away. But yeah, Ava DuVernay, I think is fantastic. If you ever see her, you know, in interviews and her discuss movies and all that kind of stuff, she's really, really fantastic. Um, I would definitely also check out her movie, The Middle of Nowhere, which she, she did in 2012, which I've seen as well. It's really, really good. But getting back to kind of that that more you know i i like to group these these films kind of together a little bit um and that's kind of more um what i was talking about er, uh before this kind of urban landscape type films um these three films i think are rather interconnected with one another and one i actually haven't seen but i want to mention it just because many many people have seen it but so first up here is john singleton's boys in the hood which is Love very it. very popular great is that is actually you know if you've seen Straight Outta Compton you you know that Ice Cube was part of the direct the uh, the writing of that film. Yes, he's um, also so in the movie. He's he in the movie, of course. Character of Doughboy. Yeah. Um, and then the other one that kind of is a companion to that one as well is the Hughes Brothers Menace to Society. Mm -hmm. And I like to and then the haven't third, seen it. Haven't seen it. You haven't seen Menace to Society. Okay. No, no. And then the third one being uh, Juice. Yeah, I've seen famously Juice. starred Tupac. Oh, so you've yes. seen Juice is the one I haven't seen. So Steven, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Steven, and so it's weird, very weird how this puzzle came together. Like I've seen it's been a while though. It's been a yeah, while, I've seen but, the first yeah. two, and Steven hasn't seen the the middle one that I've seen. But <laughs> specifically, Boys in the Hood is one that people keep going back to over and over again. Uh, famously directed by John Singleton, it was his first film, I believe, and yeah, you yeah. can argue it is his best. It's probably his best. <laughs> and yeah, and the film stars, once again, names you will be well aware of. Ice Cube, Cuba Gooding Jr. is in it, Morris Chestnut, Lawrence Fishburne is in it. Um, and the film is, you know, follows the lives of three young, you know, boys who live in the Crenshaw ghetto of Los Angeles. You know, this is the ghetto. This is, yeah. you know, poor neighborhood. You know, this is the neighborhood where... You know, you famously just, you know, drug bust and helicopters fighting with police. There's so much, you know, going on in, in that area. And this film is all about them having to deal with racism, their, their personal relationships, the, the violence. And, you know, where is their Where are their lives going? And ultimately, can you escape your surroundings? I think yeah. it's a big theme in both Boys in the Hood and Menace to Society. You know, will... Will your will the world you live in swallow you whole, or will you end up escaping? You know, to use a metaphor, and the film is really powerful. Especially the final sequences of the film are really powerful. I don't want to give away anything. Um, needless to say, it's a very powerful and I think personal movie for John Singleton. Um, Stephen, you have anything to say about Boys in the Hood? 
I mean, it's it's another one. I it's been a while since I've seen it, but I I do remember. I, I do. I think that the main things I remembered from the movie were the performances being so strong, especially Lawrence Fishburne. I think he, what does he play? He plays one of their fathers, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. He does. And yeah. he has very wise words. It's like you know, I I was actually just looking at this scene the other night where he's like, you know, why why are, if you look in you know black neighborhoods, you know why are there there's liquor stores in black neighborhoods, there's gun shops in black neighborhoods. Why do you think that? You know, it's yeah. all like kind of. You know, it's, it's stereotypical it's, it's type stuff. It's there to keep yeah, them down. Yeah, you know I was what I mean? Say it, it's it's they're they're putting stuff in front of people to make to to make people be tempted to keep their lives down instead of bettering themselves. Right. You know, they're they're being put in situations where they can't better themselves. Not only are do they, not only they are these people kept down, um, just in general, but they're just given the ammunition literally to you know. To destroy their lives themselves, um, yeah, they did, and, and, and their fathers just has to remind them to be strong enough to not be tempted to right. do the wrong thing. You know, yeah, <laughs> do the do right the thing. Right yeah. thing. <laughs> uh, what is interesting is, um, after we forgot to mention probably the most famous actor who at the time was kind of a nobody, Samuel Jackson is, is in Do the is Right in, Thing. Yeah, he plays a DJ. Yeah, yeah, he and he's kind of narrating. Uh, the whole film kind of in the background, you know, he's in this DJ booth that's like in the neighborhood and yeah. he's just now already uh, Spike Lee likes to use that, that kind of uh, framing a lot in his movies yeah. where he'll have like a narrator and stuff like that. And oftentimes it's Samuel L. Jackson. <laughs> What's funny is, is later on, I think, I think it's in Inglorious Bastards. He kind of does a similar thing in a scene where he's yeah. doing a voiceover kind of thing. Um, right. But, um, yeah, back to John Singleton. I mean, another movie I really liked of his um, is Four Brothers, um, which I, I think is another kind of it, it hits on another idea of of um, you know kind of unconventional family thing and and how you know you know unconventional because of course they're all adopted an adopted family, but also that they're they're black and white. You know, there's two I think two of them in the family are the oldest and the youngest are white. And then the two middle brothers are, are black right. and there's, and, and they were adopted by this older, you know, older white lady and she gets killed. They live in kind of a ghetto. I don't not, I think it might be Chicago. I think it's Detroit. Is it Detroit? Yeah. Yeah. Because and, I think at one time they're playing like a hockey game and they're wearing like Detroit Red Wings okay. jerseys. Yeah. But the, their, their, their adopted mother gets killed and they basically come back to the neighborhood to find out who did it. And it's, it's really, I, I really enjoy that movie. I think yeah. it's, it's underrated. an under. I think it's an underrated movie. Is it? Uh, do I think it's amazing? No, but I think it's underrated. Um, yeah, talk about the cast. Yeah, Chiwetel plays a gangster in that film. Uh, the film stars Mark Wahlberg, Tyrese is in it, Andre Benjamin or Andre Three Thousand, whoever yeah. you want to refer to him. And uh, their youngest brother is played by Garrett Headland. I think I so. Say, yeah, is I'm the youngest sure, brother. Yeah. yeah, I don't know where he's what he's up to these days, but yeah, he, <laughs> he's in that movie. Um, he did I think the Peter Pan movie recently. Uh, we don't speak of that. We don't. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I think it's an underrated one. I, I, I mean, he's got other movies. I think um, he does, he, but he's, he, they're not great. Uh, no, he, no, they're not always great. No, he did. Um, well, I'll say this. He did do the, the shaft movie from 2000. He did. He did. Starring Samuel L. Jackson, which they're coming out with the new shaft movie this year. Yeah. We're continuing on that story where that's both Richard Roundtree, who was the original Shaft, as well as Samuel Jackson, who is 
the son of the original Shaft, and then you in the third one you get the the grandson of the original Shaft. Yeah, yeah, another Shaft. <laughs> it's very the Shaft for the third. That, yeah, the trailer for that just came out. So if you're interested, go go check it out. The tagline for that movie I think is hilarious. Yeah. Um. Well, another but, one. I'll, I'll go ahead well, and bring up the next one. Um. One I really love, uh, he, and, he, and he's very multifaceted. He does, he's done a lot of different types of movies, and that's uh, F. Gary Gray. Okay. Um, and the one that, of course, the main oh, one for it. me is is Friday. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Friday is awesome, um, which is, is, is a comedy set in like a, once again, kind of an urban neighborhood um, where you got, well, maybe more, more, actually more suburbia neighborhood. I don't know that it's necessarily near the city, but um Basically, you got Ice Cube. Uh, once again, he's playing this guy who kind of just lost his job, and he has nothing to do on a Friday. So his friend Smokey, played by uh, Chris Tucker, Chris Tucker uh, is going to get him high. <laughs> is it, <laughs> I'm going to get you high. Um, yeah, Chris and it's Tucker, just kind of a, a movie about nothing. You know, it's just about getting through it. It's uh, once again kind of a Spike Lee thing, where it's one day in the right. life of these people, kind of um, like real time. Um, yeah. What is interesting about you know Fridays is it is a character story. There is a character arc in it, oh, where yeah. um, Craig, who is you know Ice Cube, he's got to you know uh, th- at one point he's got to like overcome you know an obstacle in the film. That obstacle being uh, you know Tiny Lister, whose pl- whose <laughs> character's name is Debo, and yeah. he's kind of like the bully, the you know the bully in the neighborhood, you know stuff like that and he's got to kind of he's got to fight him at the end of the movie and you know he's got to kind of overcome his own it's about yeah he's, about it's, it's, like it's, it's kind of a coming of age of sorts even though he looks yeah. like he's 30 years old already and he's I, think to be like... I think Dice Cube may have been already been 30 I don't know came out in 1995 um, he doesn't look the age I think he's portraying is what I'm saying right. I think he's supposed to be playing somebody that's like maybe like 20 um, like somebody that's just out of high school kind of but is like right. and is still living at home and uh and oh. his dad's always getting on him about oh, yeah. like getting a job. J O B job. Get a job. <laughs> yeah, his dad is portrayed by the hilarious comedic actor John Witherspoon. Oh, he's awesome. Who I would became aware of uh in the nineties when I was watching the Wayne's Brothers television show when he was yeah. the father on there. And yeah, he's hilarious. Um Regina King's also in the movie. Uh-huh. Nia Long is in the movie, Chris Tucker, Phase on Love. Um, a lot of these actors you see pop up uh, a lot later on, but this is a really early film from Chris Tucker, yeah. and Chris Tucker kind of blew up in the in the late nineties. You know, mid yeah, to late. Yeah, he ended 90s. up going on to do Rush Hour movies. Yeah, and... Rush Hour came out in nineteen ninety eight, a few years later, and you know you get Rush Hour two and Rush Hour three. He less, really did. He didn't do much, honestly. He... he was in Jackie Brown. He was. Yeah, but I but he made a name for himself just everything doing the he did. Movie. Well, everything he you did, know? he got he it, it was a it got publicity. Like everything he yeah. did, at least people saw the movie. But he honestly didn't do a lot. Like he, did, I mean, in yeah, the his, sense of like yeah, his, well, yeah, he literal made, amount of movies he's done. Well, he played that you know the one you know Chris Tucker character kind of the wacky, crazy, funny. I guess he, he was in Fifth guy. Element too. He was in Fifth he Element. He was in Fifth Element. Oh yeah. man. So annoying in that movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was like the lounge singer. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. But yeah, yeah. I mean uh you know F. Gary Gray's one on to do a lot, a lot of different types of movies. He did the negotiator yeah, uh which underrated has, movie. Yeah underrated. uh where where uh Sam Jackson plays this uh or he's he's actually in the building uh in this movie. It you got Kevin Spacey who plays this negotiator that tries to talk down 
the Sam Jackson character um, in the building. It, it's it, it's a pretty good thriller. Um, he's also done. He did one of the recent Fast and the Furious movies. <laughs> yeah, he did. The, he did the Fate of the Furious. Oh, great! Yeah, <laughs> is that the one with the long airport? I think it uh, is. No, no. This, this one. This is the one where. Um, they're fighting on. They're fighting. They're like driving on ice at the end of the movie, and there's a giant tank. Oh, the recent one. And, yeah, and, was, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the Rock like redirects a a, a torpedo, a torpedo <laughs> with like his his hands or whatever on ice. Yeah, yeah. it's great. It's it's so it's terrible. <laughs> I'm sorry, I couldn't get on board with that one. Um, yeah, but he also directed the remake of the Italian Job, which I think is yeah. underrated. It's yeah, it's not bad. Um, he's he is directing the new Men in Black film, which comes out. Oh, I'm in for that I'm later for this that, year. Yeah. Men in Black International. Um, but getting back to kind of where I was wanted to go before with um, Menace to Society and its relationship with um, Boys in the Hood, I always view them as almost a yin a yin yang type of okay. type of film. Just because Menace to Society for me feels more gritty feels darker like literally darker mm -hmm. um and it feels more realistic to the point it, realistic in the sense like it's more pessimistic like yeah. no matter what you do the world will swallow you up yeah it's a you cynical view you, cynical it's a very view cynical view whereas in boys boys in the hood there's a more optimistic view especially you know if you compare the two endings to both of the films Granted, they're both very emotional and there's a and they're very tragic, but Menace to Society I think is even more tragic. And Menace to Society I think really doesn't you know sugarcoat things. Like it, it really says like you are responsible for your bad your bad actions dictate what's going to happen to you. You know, you know all that kind of stuff. Like you know if you you basically reap what you sow in in certain aspects of the movie. And I don't really want to get into the the plot or anything like that, but Menace to Society like even the first scene of the movie is dark. I'm pretty sure there's like a murder yeah. in the first scene. It's really dark. And, and it's very interesting how the Hughes brothers uh, did that. I think I, I want to say like they were, they were too afraid to like, like when, when the film premiered in Los Angeles, I think like, I don't know if they're like rival gang showed up or something. There's a whole backstory to it. And I, I could be, I could be completely wrong. I would suggest people to look that up or whatever, because I think both boys in the hood and menace society have very interesting production and backstory centered around the films, especially because boys in the hood was put out by Columbia pictures uh -huh. and Columbia pictures at the time, I think, had just got a new sh a new a new head of production or something like that a new president and it was i believe a female african-american woman and i can't remember her name and it's driving me crazy and i tried to look it up before <laughs> the before the before the podcast and i couldn't remember and she was really trying to change you know give people of color more opportunities and whatnot and and it's so that's very interesting and i believe like they wanted to get someone else to direct boys in the hood and John Singleton basically said, no, you know, I want it directed and whatnot. Uh, the Hughes brothers have, have also took a lot of inspiration from Martin Scorsese mm -hmm. uh, because there is literally one shot in Menace to Society that's a, that mimics the shot in Goodfellas, the Copacabana shot. It's yeah. just one long shot. But in Menace to Society, I believe it's, you know, um, into a house party or something like that. And both of these films deal with like we said violence and that urban culture but they both deal with like you know 
drugs and the effect that that has had on the African-American community, especially in the in the aftermath of the 1980s, where, you know, there's so many things about drugs in society and whatnot. And it's very interesting how both of those films tackle that. And Juice is a film that I actually haven't seen. And I, I hate the I fact could, that I honestly, haven't seen it. I couldn't it. talk about it with any real substance. I, I, it's been a while, but I know I I've know seen the, it. I know the film is, you know, yeah. I mean, this, this is very similar to, you know, uh, grouping it with both Boys in the Hood and Men's Society. You know, four inner, four inner city teenagers get caught up in the pursuit of power and happiness, which they refer to as the Juice. So yet again, growing up, in in that world and trying to make your way through it but i know that this film stars famously tupac shakur who the famous the famous rapper uh who you know was killed in the 90s as well omar epps is in the film who uh, was in uh, he was in the show house but he's also in he also replaced wesley snipes <laughs> in major league Two. how would you bring that up <laughs> <laughs> not a good it was I not know, a good it was not a good replacement because i know steven knows what i'm talking about yeah it's, that's why <laughs> no it was, didn't work out willie mays hayes wasn't that his name yeah it has the character's name um but this film also has samuel l jackson uh very very interesting how he keeps popping up queen latifah is also in the film um i definitely i definitely have to watch it um moving on from there i don't know where you want to go steven uh we could we could talk about um uh, Mr. Anton, Anton Fuqua. Oh, yes. Anton, Antoine Fuqua and his many films that he's done with us. Denzel, Denzel Washington. Denzel yeah. Washington. <laughs> it's, coincidentally, both Spike Lee and Antoine Fuqua have done a lot of films a lot of with films. Denzel Washington. Um, and, and I would say for Ant Anton Fuqua, a lot of his, his probably his most popular movie is probably Training Day. Yeah, most definitely. Um, and, you know, that one starred uh, Denzel Washington and uh, Ethan Hawke. And it's basically about a dirty cop uh, bringing in this kind of new, you know, youth, uh, young kind of naive cop played by Ethan Hawke. And and uh, yeah, I mean, this guy basically uh, thinks he runs the city and <laughs> him and his group of, of cops. And, and it's 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 a very dark movie. It's a very, uh, you know, uh, it's got some it's got a great performance by Denzel. He he does. He does end up winning the Academy Award for this role. Even you know? though a lot of people think he should have won before that for like I think the hurricane. Um, oh yeah, played, yeah. Um, probably a couple roles there. Matt, well, Malcolm X. We well, already he, talked. He about had that. already won one for Glory, I believe. Uh, did he win? Yeah, it was a supporting role. It was a yeah, it was a supporting yeah. role. Yeah, yeah. But this was his first leading actor role. His only. Uh, yeah, where he won. His only. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I mean this this was kind of the breakout. Um, he would go on to do, of course, a lot of other films. Um, whether it's the Olympus has fallen, which I, I, I love. Interesting. <laughs> um, interesting. You bring that one up. I know. Well, I'm just, I, I, I could pick any movie with a <laughs> number of movies with Denzel, I guess, but that would just be boring. Oh, oh um, I know. He's still a black director just cause it ain't a black movie. I mean, I, I, could pick, I could pick any movie from him. I mean, uh, you know, magnificent seven. He just recently did the magnificent mm. seven remake, um, uh, which had Denzel in it. And, uh, I mean, yeah. I mean, he's he, he's pretty pretty consistent. He's done a lot of movies. Uh, yeah, yes, he has. And one of my under underrated films from him, and nobody talks about this movie because people don't really like it. And that is the King Arthur film that he did with. Uh, remember, was Clive, it Clive Owen? Owen? Yeah, yeah, Clive Owen. 
Kara uh, Knightley. Kara Knightley, Mads Mickelson's in it, Joel Edgerton, Hugh, Hugh Dancy, Ray Stevenson, Ray Winstone, Stephen Delane, Stellan Skarsgård. Damn, that's a lot of. Lot I mean, of he's very much. He's very much, even though he doesn't really do, I would say, big budget movies. He's he's kind of like a act. He's just an action movie director. I mean, he just comes in, does these kind of like mid budget, like action movies, um, like your you know Equalizer. He's been doing the Equalizer movies. Yeah, those are those are surprisingly good. The first one I think is really good. Second one, not so much. Is, is okay. Yeah, is okay. But I think the first one's really cool. I mean, it shows that Denzel. Denzel's still pretty badass when it comes oh, to yeah. the, when it comes to things like that. And Denzel's never really been an action star per se. He has had action roles, but I wouldn't say like when it comes to the level of violence that he's dishing out in this movie and those Equalizer movies, not quite, not quite so. Um, I would say Antoine Fuqua is an underrated director. Um, uh, the Southpaw I thought was a good movie. Um, even something. Like I said, King Arthur for me is a kind of a guilty pleasure. <laughs> I just want I think I his movie, to mention that. I think his movies are good general audience movies. Yeah. I I, th I don't think a lot of his movies have a lot of depth um, in the sense of themes and stuff. Not necessarily all the time, but um, but he's a good visual director. I think his movies look usually look pretty good. They um, yeah, they do look really good. He does have. I remember specifically the Magnificent Seven, the way he shot the action and the way the sound design was mixed for the bullets. They sounded like they were hitting like bricks, like they were like, yeah, yeah. like pumping. You know what I mean? It was really, really good. Um, to go with someone, I guess you could say, who does more art artistic films. I want to I want to discuss uh, one of my favorites, and that is Steve McQueen. Definitely. Steve McQueen is the director who's come along in the last 10 years or so. He's only done four films since 2008, so probably four films over the last 11 years. Uh, the Hunger, or just Hunger, Shame, 12 Years a Slave, and recently Widows. Yeah. And my favorite amongst those, 12 Years a Slave, is a, I, I is mean, a movie that's on another level to me. But go I, I love that movie, but I think I, I would probably go Shame. Shame, I think shame, shame is, is like those two are just so, so <laughs> powerful. Like I'm just I think like those are the types of films that you just think about, and you're just like, wow, it's hard to I go back and believe. watch them movies. They're yeah, just they so are devastating. very devastatingly powerful films. Both of those films are both are existential journeys through like living nightmares to a certain extent yeah. shame is more internalized you know dealing with you know sex addiction literally and in and how internally it affects you and kind of how it affects you you know in in your life and the yeah. physical world you live in and 12 years a slave obviously you know dealing with slavery and it's catastrophic mental and physical toll and it takes it it took upon people and whatnot. Um, both films exquisitely well acted by both Michael Fassbender and Chiwetel Ejiofor. Um it's specifically in Twelve Years of Slave, what really got got me is the dialogue is so rich and so layered and so Shakespearean-esque. Yeah. That it it's very, very powerful and almost heightens the the experience or heightens it in the sense like, wow, this is amazing. Um, not heightens it and like makes it better because slavery sure. is terrible. And I think um, there's also a little bit of you know with Steve McQueen. I'm not there. I'm, I'm if I'm mistaken. I don't know, Anton Fuqua might also be. He's English too. I think, isn't he? 
Um, or is he American? Because um, I was going to say there, you know, it, it, there is a little bit of a difference here too, because you know Steve McQueen is English, and so his, you know, his upbringing might have been a little bit different, you know. And if you look at his his filmography so far, you know, other than Twelve Years a Slave, he doesn't necessarily kind of play into, uh, you know, African American culture or, or, or black culture. You know, it's more just kind of movies about things he's he's interested in. You know, like just things that could be univer more universal. Right. I'll say know. this. Um, Antoine Fuqua was born in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Okay. So, okay. So he's I just wanted to make sure. Filmmaker. And Steve McQueen, let me look up. I'm pretty sure he's he is from Great Britain or that area uh, because, you know, the accent. But you don't really. Yeah, he was born in London. Yeah, yeah. So, in so a, you know, his, you know, you can tell how even though he's a black director, he doesn't necessarily have the influences like uh, a lot of African American directors. You know, he's, he's, he's. I think he definitely uh, has a, uh, especially with Twelve Years a Slave, has a, a you know, a clear because because even though we look at a lot of the struggles of African American culture just being in America, it's it happens everywhere. You know, right. hate, uh, black hate is everywhere in the world. Um, not just in America. So it's, you know, but his, his, you know, but even with that, you know, he obviously has a different perspective, uh, in his upbringing and hasn't necessarily, um, I think, f you know, fell into just doing movies like that. Um, cause you know, he did hunger also, which is about like a prison, um, hunger strike, um, which is something very different. And then of course we right. talked about shame with sex addiction, addiction, Twelve Years a Slave, and then he did recently did Widows, which was a uh, a heist film, um, but that definitely had a lot of um, social political commentary oh, about most definitely um, about kind of society and and how um, you know the rich and the poor the the, the, the class structure and stuff like yes. that. So yeah, he he definitely got more political with that movie, but most I think I think he's a very open director. I think he he's willing to talk about almost anything. Yeah, and, and I don't know if anyone's ever seen his his interviews and the way he discusses film is just really fascinating. Like like genius, you can tell you're 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 listening to someone who has like genius level intellect. Oh, just yeah. the way in which they approach things. Um, I remember like I I became a little bit obsessed with him uh, when Twelve Years a Slave came out, and I wanted to see you know I wanted to see Shame, I wanted to see Hunger, but I also wanted to see you know what what's his thought process like like what yeah. is how does he, you know, approach film and stuff like that? And that stuff fascinates the heck out of me because you begin to see how that translates onto the screen. Like yeah. a lot of these people's, um, the way they think and the way they structure their films is very, very important. And Steve McQueen, I think, is just fascinating. That's why I really liked Whittles a lot. I know a lot of people didn't kind of uh, attach themselves to Widows too, too much. Uh, because I think they thought it was just going to be a heist film, a la maybe a Heat or something like that. But there's really so much more going on in that movie than just oh, that, yeah, definitely. that moment. That moment literally doesn't happen until the third act of the film. It, you know what I mean? It's tough, not man. the film's not based on that. It's what's tough about trying to when you know Steve McQueen stayed pretty independent, but this with this yes. movie he decided to go with a bigger cast. So he needed more money, which means he kind of went into the mainstream, which means they want to sell the movie to try to make money. Right. And when they do that, they can kind of misinterpret the movie to the audience. And I think that the audience probably thought 
this was more of a heist movie. It they don't know that it's made by time. Steve McQueen, a guy that's an art house filmmaker. Yeah, he's a he. Yeah, he's an auteur. Yeah. Um, I also really love his visual style in his films. Yeah. I think he's willing to do these very long takes, very long takes, stunning, stunning cinematography that are, that is featured in his films. Uh, for those of you not aware, Twelve Years a Slave did win Best Picture the year it came out. Um, well, I think that, I think that won a bunch that, of awards. Oh yeah, I think that the thing that he's, I think the be, from what I can tell, the best at is directing actors because yeah. like almost everything he's done, everybody's there's people get nominated for something. Um, I, some of the best performances I've seen from Michael Fassbender are from his. Uh, oh yeah, his Abel work with him. Yeah, Twelve and, and, Years a Slave, man, he is pure evil. In well, the thing movie. is, is when you allow when you when you do these long takes, you're allowing your actors to basically just act their asses off i mean like it's yeah. like going back to being on broadway or something where you you're just you're acting to the crowd you know he's just gonna sit there on you and let you do your thing and so yeah, as an actor they have to step up their game and they usually do i yeah, mean <laughs> you, you give them a little more you know you give them a, a little more to work with you give them you're letting them stay in character longer instead of stopping them and starting them you right. know and and, and it's, 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 it's effective kind of and, and when you have the talent that he has in his movies, you can get away with that. Sometimes there are actors who probably can't, you know, who need that structure, who yeah. need to know, you know, where their marks are, where, where to start and stop and all that kind of stuff. And, and some need it. Some can kind of improv or just keep going when they need to keep going or, or however it's structured, however they rehearse it or whatnot. But yeah, Steve McQueen is one of my favorites. And I, I can't wait to see what else he does. I don't know if he's going to go back to the uh, the indie realm or if he's going to stay more kind of mid-budget, mid-mainstream. Either way, I'll be there watching. I hope, you know, I'm, I, I'm, I would assume he's going to go do another Mac movie with Michael Fassbender again. <laughs> Could be. Very well. <laughs> you know, probably probably what's going to happen. But, um, all right, well, uh, let's get this one out of the way because he really only has one movie, and we oh. can talk about it real quick. Okay. Because he's, he's a very new director. Um, Rick Fama Famayua, oh, um, who did Dope a couple years ago. He did do Dope, and I and I it was one of my Great favorite movie. movies of the year. It came out. Um, find out where he's from for me, because I'm I, I I think he's definitely from another country. Um, oh, you know, not necessarily. I, I think he is though. Um, because I've heard him. I think he has an accent. He's he's. I think he's from another country. But um, Dope. He did Dope a couple years ago, which is kind of this coming of age story. Um. Uh, Rick, um, he grew, up, he grew up near, he grew up in Los, near Los Angeles. Well, see, I'm, I'm just wrong. Yeah. In, in, <laughs> in, in Inglewood, which is okay. right down yeah. the street. From well, yeah. I mean, so the movie takes place, I think in that, in that, that in that area. area. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and it's a great coming of age movie and, uh, where you got this kid who's kind of, you know, he's in, you know, he's the culture black culture is very very much you know you know in in a lot of these films and in reality you know black culture sticks together and they all kind of like celebrate the same things and this kid kind of celebrates old school mentality you know he loves like 80s or 90s music and it's like modern day and he's kind of like kind of making himself an out an outlier um instead of trying to fit in um and so he's even though he's still trying to fit in <laughs> So it's kind of like an identity movie, you know, the movie where he's trying to find his his place, um, trying to be the good guy around a lot of bad people. Um, yeah, he is. And he has a group of, well, I think I believe 
a group of friends or two other friends, and they're both kind of like-minded as as he is. Um, the film, um, I mean, we should say the actor's name. Um, and once again, IMDb is failing me. Uh, You're failing here. Of course, of course, they wouldn't give like top billing to the main the main actor. <laughs> of course they wouldn't. Of course they wouldn't. But keep keep talking because this is oh well. I mean, yeah, I mean. All I could say is just it's. I think that for I, I don't think this was this, I don't think this was his debut. He might have done some other stuff before this, but it's a fantastic movie. It, it it's one I've actually went back to watch many times, and uh, it's 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 a beautiful movie. I, I yeah, I feel it's like- fantastic. Um, there's a and talk about a movie with social commentary. There's a monologue towards the end of this movie where I believe he's writing his college essay or something like that, and just the way in which he's expressing himself in relation to the way in which the world views young African American kids, teenagers specifically is just extremely powerful. You can look up the clip on YouTube. It's absolutely fantastic. Um, and, and you now Kersey Clement is also in the film. Uh, the young actor, Shamik Moore, I believe he is, he is the actor. He's very yeah. good in this movie. He's very good in this movie. He recently d- did the voice of Miles Morales in the animated Spider-Man film, oh, yeah. Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. And for some reason, on uh, if you go to the dope IMDb page, like he's not the first one credited. What? <laughs> it, they because sometimes IMDb the way they do it is they it's the cast overview, but it's first build only. Dude, and he's whoever not, if somebody can edit that page, go and edit that shit. Yeah, he's not even like you have to click the full cast list just to just to get to him. Dumb. Um it's really, really annoying. I'll, also Zoe Kravitz is in the film. Yeah. Um there he is, yeah. I found him. Shamik Moore. Uh Lakeith Stanfield's actually in the movie as well. Lakeith Stanfield, who is really making a name for himself now as well. Um, coincidentally, in another in a film this year, uh with uh directed by a black black, black director, uh sorry to bother you. Talk uh, about a Boots, film. Boots Riley. Yeah. Boots Riley is the director. Talk about a film with just mounds of social commentary about. Oh yeah, you can, you can go back structure. to our favorites of the year episode. We talk about. Sorry to bother you a little bit yeah, there. Yeah, sorry to bother you. I recently rewatched film. It. Such a singular, obviously a unique singular vision there, and uh, I can't wait to see what he does next. It's yeah. Um, so so moving on from Dope, which is a dope movie that everybody dope. should watch. Um. Where do I want to go? I mean, I, we could I, we could go I, ahead and we could wanna, we could bring up I, this guy right here who's very prominent. One. Yeah, you got one. I was gonna go Ryan Coogler. We could go, that, hey go Ryan Coogler, go? man. That's good. Yeah, I, let me let me gush about Ryan Coogler for a few minutes here. Um, man, my favorite film from him is really tough to pick. <laughs> it's it, it really tough. tough to pick. Um, he's definitely like he's he's been able to go like damn. each level. He's gradually been able to up his game every movie. Yeah, it's like just like like upgrading like you know, like literally you know, like from the video game with fruitville station to the top where you gets to black panther um you know and yeah. in between it, he does you creed. know a creed movie which is very you know awesome and and brings back the rocky franchise yeah part of me you know how much i love creed yeah. I, but i think i gushed about it so much in the 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 episode we did about the rocky franchise yeah that I don't want to just yeah we don't need to myself. regurgitate that but I don't need to regurgitate just know that I, I would say Fruitvale Station Fruitvale Station is where he got that, yeah. his name 
Um, Fruitvale Station is a fantastic film starring Michael B. Jordan based on a real life story. Kind, kind of his muse. Yeah, um, very Michael much Michael B. So. Jordan, he's in all his movies so far. Yeah, the film is about uh, a, a person named Oscar Grant, who was a 22-year-old uh, Bay Area, you know, guy, person. Uh, he Basically, he and his friends are out one night, and he accidentally gets shot by a cop, and he dies. Um, you know, not spoiler alert. I mean, it was in the news and all this kind of yeah, stuff. There was a whole yeah. big thing about it. It's not a big spoiler. I, I knew that going into the movie that this, that this happened. And the film is just chronicling kind of like the last day or two of his life. And it's just to him, you know, you know, visiting his girlfriend, doing things with visiting his family, friends and all that kind of stuff. And just chronicling the last moments of his life. And it's an extremely powerful film, especially the ending. His mom, I believe, or the, the mother character in the film is portrayed by Octavia Spencer. And, and it's just, there's a moment at the end of the film where she, she just, you know, has to, you know, his, you know, he's dead and she just has to say goodbye to him. It's really emotionally powerful. And, and what's rain, interesting yeah, is that, that this movie, you know, you know, now, you know, especially this past year, we have, we've had a, tons of movies that deal with the similar subject. Mm. And it, this movie came what, four or five years before this, this, this kind of certain sudden, you know, big boost in these movies about, white police officers killing black young black people. Yeah. Um, this came out in 2013. Yeah. So, so it's, it's five years ahead of its time in the, in the sense of like, I mean, sure. There's been movies about white police officers, you know, and stuff, you know, going against, you know, killing black people, but, but th it's suddenly become a big thing in the news and, and in film most recently over the last couple of years, but this movie did it three or four years, five yeah, years and what is yeah, What is interesting now is yeah. The social, the, people are more socially aware of things like that happening. And I remember when this happened, like I remember yeah. hearing about it in the news and what ended up, what happened was the officer, the officer that, that, you know, did it. Uh, apparently he, he thought he had his, uh, the stun gun, but apparently yeah. he pulled his gun by accident and he ended up shooting him. And that's how, that's how he died. And, it's a really powerful story. I, I can't recommend it enough. And the, the way in which Kugler does his films, specifically both Creed and Fruitvale Station, is they have this emotional resonance throughout. Like, they feel real and sincere. Like, these people have a sense of reality to them. Like, you're, you're watching a movie. You know, you're aware you're watching a movie but you can view these characters as real people, you know, in Fruitvale station, it was a real person, you know, Adonis Creed and Creed is, you know, yeah. a fictional character, but they feel very real. You know what I mean? And he's just kind of graduated up even further to doing, you know, a literally gigantic mainstream film in black Panther. And he's able to bring a lot of his sensibilities into that film as well, where if you just watch him, watch some videos on YouTube of him breaking down, certain scenes in black panther and you can see that once again we're dealing with someone who is on a genius type level where like everything in the scene is so meticulously well detailed not only from just the movements of the characters but to the very clothes they're wearing is all purposely done he is i think an absolute genius what is very interesting uh, i come i came to find this out recently kind of a bit of a trivia is 
the editor who is the editor on all of his films is actually uh you know is from a, a local town near me like his oh really yeah my one of my friends who works at one of the local libraries um the the dad of the editor came in there looking for comic books on black panther because he's like my son is editing the black panther movie and i want to you know read up on these comics and i, and I was like wow what a completely <laughs> small world um that 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 would happen like apparently he was uh he was from here he went to usc met ryan coogler and they were they become friends ever since yeah yeah and it's like wow and what is interesting is i was talking to a friend who i went to high school with who knows him um from when he from when he lived here and i'm yeah. like wow that's an even smaller world that's just yeah, a, no, right? that's just a cool thing nothing nothing that interesting ever happens to me so <laughs> i thought i would i thought i would share yeah, that. make sure you brag about that next oh episode, make yeah. sure i brag about yeah, that yeah definitely, definitely. but yeah. i think it's also interesting to say that you know some you know there's i think there's a clear difference and, and this goes for any director really but you can tell which which of these directors are also writers also right. you know the more detailed somebody like a kugler or ones that usually also write the films. Um, yeah, he wrote, He, if you're interested, he wrote Fruitvale Station, Creed, and Black Panther. He also, yeah. he was a producer on Creed too. He didn't, you know, he didn't have, he didn't direct it, but I know he was involved in there somehow. Yeah, I just think that that really play, I think a lot of what you're talking about with the sincerity of his movies plays into how he writes his characters. Yeah, he's um, very socially aware of. Yeah the the plight of the african-american community and just kind of the black community in general just watch black panther you know yeah, he also you know, uses killmonger uh, and his philosophy about the world and what he wants to do in that movie very political very yeah he, political. he also uh, is very much uh like uh when we talked about m night Shyamalan, he uses uh the same location a lot he uses oakland yes because um, he's in his from movies. there yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he understands. He understands probably that place better than any any place else. Yeah. But um, going to another uh, recent uh, director, I think that's become very popular um, is Jordan Peele. Oh. Um, you know, which I think, if I'm not mistaken, he might actually be mixed. But I think he has a white mother. But I think most people count him as a black director. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but but um. Yes, Jordan Peele, he just recently last year came out with his his debut which was Get Out, which is yes. very popular, nominated for best picture. He ended up winning best uh, a best writing original credit um and uh now he's got his new film coming out called Us, which I'm very excited for. And yeah, yeah, uh Doppelganger. Doppelganger. It looks awesome. Like that. It's another film that looks steeped in social commentary about Yeah. It seems Race. to be his thing. <laughs> he he very much has a lot to say, and the way he does it, I love because he likes yeah. to use he he's using horror films, he's using thrillers to to tell these social because a lot of the things that he's trying to talk about are horrifying to people, but he he's finding a way to to put that in a way that's accessible for people. Um, yeah, and the the I find that the more I've watched Get Out, the more I've unpacked it, the more. The more genius, the it more is. genius it is. Yeah, and yeah. I can see why that that screenplay was was given an Oscar because of how layered it is, and yeah. what he's saying in that film is so interesting and fascinating on on a social level. Um, it's that film is like it's a it's a kind of a live a, not live action, but kind of a feature length 
Twilight Zone episode that also functions as a social commentary about race relations as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, Jordan Peele is really fantastic. He, what is he, interesting he, is he's a creative force, man. Yeah. Like, what is interesting is I always come across uh Key and Peel sketches yeah. uh, on <laughs> social media, whether it be Twitter, Facebook, whatever. And I'm like, man, Jordan Peele, he's out here directing these these movies that are that are, you know, they make you think and they they probably also gonna frighten you as well. But you know, he was also doing this, you know, very funny, very you know, well-liked, you know, sketch comedy show on, on Comedy Central for several years as well. Yeah, his... It just shows his, you know, diversity in, in terms of his acumen as an artist. Yeah, his he's able to um, filter all that that really deep social commentary, political commentary through a filter that's unique to him. Like, he, he has a certain vision that I don't think a lot of people have. He's able to turn that stuff into you know that that deep subject matter into something that people can can take in and understand but also be very smart and unique and and uh he, he like i said creative force yeah. um, he's also going to be hosting the new twilight zone reboot yeah so and I, i'm really sure he's cool. going to have creative input in that also oh yeah um, for sure and also um, recently produced spike lee's black klansman oh so, yes he did so so yeah he's been involved and in, he's he, he's very much um involved in bringing African-American directors into the fold and working with other African-American, you know, people to, to, to further other people's careers. Right. Um, and it, so that's, that's great. That's a great thing. It is fantastic. Like I said, it's, it, there's a resurgence right now, a renaissance of all of these, Afri uh, um, all of these black directors and, and saw, whatnot making, making great great work yeah i saw oh, an I, article where spike lee said that he hopes that this isn't just a blip right that this is actually like actual momentum here that's going to move forward forever you know which is yeah i hope so too because i mean we're, you're missing out on a lot of great stuff if, if you just start ma ma marginalizing certain people and 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 it's how we are with cinema discovery project in general we want to talk about things that are kind of marginalized that's kind of yeah, the thing we like to talk about illuminate certain things that light is not always you know put upon yeah. um light is not always shed on um but the next one i want to talk about and kind of a big one at least for me and another modern director is barry jenkins good one yeah barry jenkins his last two films are like gorgeous <laughs> breathless breathtakingly gorgeous uh for of course moonlight which came out a few years ago um is the film that won one best best picture in despite that snafu at the Oscars. Yeah. It came out in 2016, and the film was was uniquely told in a three struck a three act structure of the youth, teenage, and adulthood of this African American kid who was who was gay, and it was all about him wrestling not only with that but wrestling with the society around him and just trying to live you know he had a drug addicted mother portrayed by naomi harris who was fantastic uh, mahershala lee was also in the film as well who was kind of this mentor figure uh, janelle monet was in the film as well and there's just several talented actors who portrayed this 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 character uh, i believe the adult one was uh travante rhodes was the adult version of of this character of um was the name Sharon? I yeah. think so. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Once and, again, and I, once it, again, IMDb fails me. 
and 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 I have to say, I mean, I I know people got all upset about that La La Land situation, but I I think I think Moonlight was the right choice. Moonlight uh, was the better movie. It's the better movie, and it's also I mean, it's the movie that actually has. I tell people this all the time: is like when certain so, sometimes these small movies or these movies you never heard of win Best Picture. I'm like, well, I mean, it the movie had something to say. Um, right. When a movie has something to say and it's relevant to the time it was it was in, that's the movies I like to see win Best Picture. Um, because that's the ones that can help pinpoint a moment in time that was important. And that movie very, very much encapsulates this moment in time. Um, you know, a certain aspect of this moment in time that, that needs to be remembered. And one way to do that is to award it best picture of the year. I mean, it's always going to be there now. Um, it's all, and it's, it's of course always going to be remembered for being linked with La La Land now um, <laughs> with that, that particular situation. So it's, it's, it's de- it's a movie that I very much remember seeing in the theater and just being blown away by how um, authentic it is and and gorgeous. It's just a gorgeous. I mean, I I have some 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 little right. issues with the cinematography, but other than that, it, it's just so it's such a very just almost tunnel vision personal. Vo- you're with the character. It's not documentary style, but you're with the character. Like yeah. you feel like you're with him the whole movie. Yeah. The um, other actors that portray the character of Sharon was um, Ashton Sanders and Alex R. Hibbert. But the thing is the way I was to look it up on IMDb. Um, he didn't have like in, in the first act he's referred to, I believe he's referred to as little. The second act he's referred to as, um, Chiron, and I think the third act he's just referred to as black. Very interesting the way the character is is you know depicted in the film, and yeah, like Steven said, the 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 cinematography in the movie was very close knitted. Lots of close ups and a lot of moments where the the character that we follow throughout the film is just taking up the whole frame. Yeah, and I always pointed that out because it was very indicative of how the character felt being boxed in literally by the world in which he was living in and how he was just being stifled with, within, you know, where within himself. And it was really just an amazing, amazing layered film. I think Barry Jenkins is an amazing, amazing director and his follow-up film, which uh, if Beale street could talk, gorgeously stunning film mm-hmm. just beautiful in its in its themes and its approach to what it was saying and you know the the directing is off the charts how that movie i'll say this again how that movie wasn't nominated for best picture baffles it's, my it's, mind it's I, I brought this up when we talked about the oscar the oscar noms a few weeks ago but it's it's a better movie than most of the films that got nominated for an Oscar. It's it's, uh, it's at picture. least it's better than at least half at the least, movies. Yeah, at least three or four. Would, yeah, four yeah. being half. But man, he is a, an incredible director with a lot to say in his films, and he's able to say, to say it. He's definitely an auteur. Um, he's also very active on social media. I follow him on Twitter, and his tweets are, are really good. Now, and, now I'm, I'm going to change the, the pace a little bit here. Change okay. it. Now, we, you know, we've talked basically about a lot of directors i would say we 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 love and respect th- their movies a lot this director i would say is a little bit controversial but he's he's definitely somebody we ha- we can't not talk about and that is tyler perry <laughs> nice uh 
Yeah, Tyler Perry is a very popular director with the, I would say, the general audience, African American audience, and of course everybody. I mean, everybody. I mean, th- his movies are very successful. Yeah. Um, he is a figure that about everybody knows um, because of his Madeira character um, that he's went on to do many movies for. I think maybe five or six movies for Medea, I think. Um, and yeah, but I mean, he he's kind of, I would say, the probably the most mainstream African-American figure there is um, that at least that I can think of. I mean, what do you, what do you think? I would say he's, he's very well known. If, if that's what you kind of mean. Yeah. That's what I'm of, saying. I mean, like a character. Yeah. I mean, like when it comes to African-American directors, he's kind of the, the most popular. <laughs> I mean, in the, sen- in, in the sense you, of how, how, like, in terms of like box office, <laughs> Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like oh, people okay. see his movies. I'm not Maybe. saying that film lovers think he's the best African American director. I'm saying his movies get seen the most. They do. I mean, they really do. I mean, by everybody. Um, now, personally, I don't. I don't have. I don't look at his movies as being much uh, of much merit to me personally. I mean, I, they're very much. Um, I find them. I I, I kind of find them. If I, I mean it to be a little bit, little bit stereotypical. I, I would be offended if I was black, maybe <laughs> by these movies, but you know, I'm not. So, uh, so, but you know, people seem to enjoy them. They're very much, you know, popcorn movies, you know? Yeah. And he's one of those, um, uh, directors who's also an actor as well. Yeah. Yeah. And there's, and there's a few of them. Uh, Denzel Washington is one of those, as well he's directed um, a couple movies he's directed yeah. a couple movies his most recent film fences is really fantastic he also directed i believe antoine fisher and the great debaters the great debaters yeah that's him forrest whitaker is also i believe delved into directing uh but he's also produced a lot um i'm just gonna look up we also have uh one. lee daniels yes lee daniels who did um precious precious uh and the Precious, butler, uh, Lee, yeah, and Lee Daniels, the butler. Uh, he always liked for some reason to put his name in the. Yeah, title I was gonna movies. say like I don't. I, I mean, don't why. why does he? I don't know. <laughs> uh, I don't know. M Night Shyamalan yeah. does it. That I guess he does. Not really, but it's like not really. But no, he did it like, first. He did like, it first. Yeah, it's not like M Night Shyamalan's The Sixth Sense or M Night Shyamalan. Well, he kind of did at first, but then he, when he, people started to hate his movies, he took his <laughs> name off there. Um. Yeah, uh, I'm just getting back to Forrest Whitaker did the film Waiting to Exhale. Um, he also directed the movie First Daughter, if anybody cares about that, with uh, Katie Holmes. <laughs> Katie Holmes and uh, Michael Keaton plays I, like, say, I don't father. think I've seen any Forrest Whitaker movies. I, don't, um, I haven't seen anything he's directed. He also directed Hope Floats with... I've, I, you know what? I might have seen that one. With Sandra Bullock and Harry Connick Jr., huh. Gina Rollins. Um, interesting. Interesting. I'm just pointing out that yeah, there, are, yeah, yeah, yeah. there are other, there are other, you know, definitely, you know, actor directors who are also writers and producers and stuff like that. But yeah, Lee Daniels, um, I I liked I liked The Butler. Yeah, I, I think the it was Butler. a perfect film, though. But um, I really liked it, and I and I liked Forrest Whitaker in it. I thought he was really fantastic. I think Forrest Forrest Whitaker is a great actor in general. But Lee Daniels doesn't have a very large filmography. He's got a film called Shadow Boxer. He's got Precious, which everybody remembers. The Paperboy, 
I don't know if you've seen the Paperboy, Steve. No, I haven't seen weird it. Weird but... movie. Um, some people hate it. Some people love it. Um, the film stars Zac Efron, Matthew McConaughey, Matthew McConaughey, Nicole Kidman, John Cusack's in the movie. David Oyelowo is in the movie. The, I couldn't even tell you the plot of this movie. It's so weird. <laughs> you just kind of have to watch it yourself. All right. I don't even know if I own it. I may. I may own it. Probably not. But he's more uh, known, I think, for producing um, two very successful television series in Empire and Star. Okay. Um, that's yeah. That's that's Lee Daniels. There's also more recent uh, filmmaker D. Rees. Yes. Uh, who recently did Mudbound? Thank you for bringing up D. Reese because I I almost forgot because the other night I watched um, her 2011 film Pariah, which is really fantastic, very independent, a very raw film, and it's dealing with a young African American girl who is also gay, but she's trying to hide it from her parents, yeah. and she really doesn't know how to, you know, deal with that in her life, and just kind of going through you know, growing pains literally. And the film is just fantastic. It's really, really raw and real and has a lot to say about, you know, similar to Moonlight, this idea of, of being gay, not only in a society that, um, you know, shuns you, if you will, you know, there's a lot of terrible people who don't like homosexual people, LGBTQ, they hate all of them. But not only that, but also being that within the African-American society as well, that adds an extra layer to it. And of course, being a woman, that adds, that adds another extra yeah. layer to it. So it's a very deeply layered film that's really, really good. But D. Reese, as you mentioned, um, one of her more recent films, um, Mud, um, Mudbound. Mudbound, fantastic film, I thought. I thought it was really great. Amazing cinematography. Yeah, some great performances too. Um uh, you had that Garrett Headlands in that movie. <laughs> there he is. I knew there he, he was is somewhere. in that movie. Um, <laughs> it's got uh, Carrie Mulligan, who I I love. Carrie Mulligan. I, I love her when she's in movies, but she's just not. She's like she she's in Drive, and then she was in like. Oh, she's in movies. She's she in is, movies. but it's like they're few and far between. She's like so yeah. independent. You know, she was in that wildlife movie this past year. Did you not like her in um, the? Uh, the movie they did, uh, the great, the great Gatsby, a few years ago. Oh God, I hate that. that movie. See, you hate that movie, and I, I and hate I'm that movie. I'm the only movie. one who likes it. I'm the only one who likes it. I, I yeah, you I are. Because yeah, <laughs> I like, because I think, because I know what, because I know how weird Boz Lerman is. So I'm like, you know what? Let's just get weird. Well, see, the and thing the is, is, is I, I like, uh, I like Australia, <laughs> <laughs> and nobody likes that movie. I've got, yeah, you may be the only one. I but might the, be the only one that liked Australia. Coincidentally, she was in Shame, a film we talked about earlier. Yeah, she yeah, plays yeah. the sister in that film. Very interesting relationship yeah. with Michael Fassbender's character in that film. A lot of a lot of things going on there. But that's that shame. She, of course, she was in Drive, like you said. Um, she's in Inside Lewin Davis. She's in that movie uh Suffer Suffragette. Um, she was in that movie, uh, what was it? Far from the Maddening Crowd? Yes. Far from the Madding Crowd. She shows up. I think she's a great actress. Oh, yeah, I she's really awesome. I love her. She, or she was nominated for an Oscar early in her career, I think, for An Education, um, which is, I think is a really good film. She's also in the movie Never Let Me Go. Super depressing movie. <laughs> and if you really want to just drive yourself down to depression lane, watch that movie. Um, but what were we just talking about? D. Reese. Oh, yeah. oh D. Reese and Mudbound. Um, the film stars 
Um, Jason Clark is in it as well. Jason Mitchell, Mary J. Blige is in it. She's really fantastic. I think she got nominated, didn't she? Uh, this the movie was nominated for four Oscars. C- cinematography. Uh, Mary J. Blige for supporting for supporting role. Best adapted screenplay. It is based on. I think it got book. a song nomination too, didn't it? It did get a best original song nomination. Yeah, Mary J. Blige. <laughs> yeah, for Mighty River. <laughs> Mary J. Blige. She did write it. Yeah, and then best cinematography, which I you may have mentioned. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I really like. And, and, and also, it was a Netflix movie. So it was a Netflix movie. So Tell that you, was Netflix, a big deal. Netflix is an interesting ground for for people who haven't been able to have the same opportunity in you know the regular studio system that we've got running around now netflix is kind of like getting them like oh come over here we'll we'll make your whatever movie you want to make we'll give you the money come over here oh like your martin scorsese and the studios for some reason won't give you money for your for your movies because they're crazy come over here you know apparently netflix has some something going on where they're making money and they're able to throw shit at everybody like here's he's just they're just oprah just here you get a you get a movie and you get a movie get a like movie. and apparently there's no repercussions um so they just keep giving out movies to people so they I do. Mean, hey why don't you give me a movie i'll take a movie uh, <laughs> i mean yeah i'll do it <laughs> yeah yeah d reese is someone whose filmography i'm just diving into now um, like I mentioned, Pariah is really fantastic, but it's a raw film. Uh, she also did the TV movie Bessie, starring Queen Latifah, that got a lot of critical praise a few years ago. Um, at least it got a Golden Globe nomination. Um, and of course, Mudbound is probably her most notable film so far. And I really want to see what she's doing next. I think she has a film coming out this year called The Last Thing We, The Last Thing He Wanted. It says it's in post production, and it still does have a 2019 release date. So I'm very curious about this movie. Wow. It's, uh, let me see, a journalist quits her newspaper job and becomes an ar- an arms dealer for a covert government agency. And okay. look at this cast. Anne Hathaway, Ben Affleck, Willem Dafoe, uh, Rosie Perez, Toby Jones. Damn. Yeah, that's an interesting cast there. But, I mean, there's, oh, you know... I mean, there's a lot. There's a lot of lot of directors, a lot of African American directors, uh, black directors that we could keep talking about. I mean, you know, and there's some that, you know, I, I haven't seen their movies, but I know that they're they're prominent directors of their time. Um, there's um, uh, there's I got a couple names here. Uh, Carl Carl Franklin. Yeah. Uh, did uh, Devil in a Blue Dress, which Devil had Denzel in it. Great. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so there's, there's, there's a, there, I think it's his name, Robert Townsend. Yeah. Robert Townsend is actually, he was a, a I believe a, he's an actor, director, writer, but also yeah. a comedian as well. And he did uh, several movies. I remember seeing him on a sitcom in the 90s. <laughs> uh, I can't even remember what the, what the theme of the sitcom was. And, but he, I he was also in, oh, uh, what's that movie? Uh, I'm looking it up right now. Yeah, Robert Townsend. If you see him, you know uh, the Meteor Man. I don't know. If yeah, Meteor Man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the sitcom he was in in the night was called The Parenthood, and I remember he was the dad in that show. But he's directed quite a few things. Um, and, and yet again, it's stuff that I really need to to get into. Um, yeah. 
there's one specifically Hollywood Shuffle I keep seeing coming up when I was doing my research yeah. for for the show. Cool. Well, any any anybody else you want to cover, or do you think oh, this man. good good? I mean, like we say, we we're definitely going to come back to this subject matter again um, and try to hit into a lot of the earlier stuff. Yeah, but uh, we really wanted to just kind of give an overview of some some black filmmakers that we thought were uh, you know you know some of them up and comers and some of them are still doing their thing and 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 you know hopefully just get more and more opportunities moving forward to 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 show us what they got man I mean I'm I'm another excited one, I, there's another one I want to bring up okay and I I mean people who may just this is just a personal one for me um, Richard Ayoade. I don't know if people know who Richard Ayoade and he was in the IT crowd. Um, he was in that movie um, where um, what's his name? Jonah Hill was in it uh, where their um, neighborhood watch. I think it's just called the watch. Yeah. Remember? The watch. Yeah. Yeah. They had to change the name of that movie because after what happened in Florida, yeah. with Trayvon Martin, they were like, ah, Oh man! I was part of. The, he said he was part of the neighborhood watch. Yeah, where the aliens take over and yeah, Ben Stiller and yeah, right. yeah it's like not a good movie. Richard Ayoade is in that movie, and he directed two films that are, I think, really, really great. And they're they're weird films, but you know me, I love my weird films. He directed this movie called Submarine, which is like a Wes Anderson coming of age movie, but but with his kind of, um, you know personality in it and he also directed a film called uh the double star with jesse eisenberg and that i didn't love that movie. i like that movie i, yeah, I, I a weird version of a terry gilliam film it felt a lot like brazil at times that's why i really liked it i i personally like those two movies i mean, i think part of it is is i think jesse eisenberg just isn't good well, he's, he's only been good one guy. time, and that was social network and that's because he's playing himself well he keeps playing the same <laughs> character over and over again yeah you know what I mean? or the same sensibilities you know what I yeah mean? he has the he has up. the same character he has the same like mannerisms and things in every movie he does like he's some he can't it's like he can't channel himself into anything else other than the awkward um frigidy fidgety you know white dude i mean i don't i mean yeah I, you're not wrong but honestly <laughs> if they keep paying you to do it oh yeah, yeah it. go for it buddy I'm, look, I'm you're, you're living it. better. You're living higher than I am. Yeah, so, I'll, I'll uh, do it. Go for yeah. it. <laughs> but yeah, that was one I wanted to mention. I was actually thinking of Richard Ayoade the other day because I was like, I was hoping that he would come out with a, another movie because he's a big fan of Eric Romer. Uh-huh. And I know, Stephen, you, you like Eric Romer. Oh, yeah, definitely. And, and his film Submarine is like a Wes Anderson coming of age movie, like filtered through the prism of Eric Romer. Okay. So it's very, check that it's out. very, very interesting. I really, really dug it. Cool. Well, I think we're going to stop here. And like we said, we'll, we'll come back around to this subject again and, and of course, elaborate more on some other yes. black filmmakers. And, and probably the next time, go deeper into this, you know, the beginnings of the silent era and talk about that time period. Um, yeah. And I think we'll, we'll open it up when we talk about black cinema in general. I think we'll open it up to perhaps, you know, films that were not necessarily directed by black filmmakers, but were films that, you know, are, are about uh, African-American society and stuff like that. Yeah. Because doing my research, I kept, you know, looking up, you know, when you Google, when you Google search some of these, you get films like, oh yeah, I know that film. I know that film, but you keep coming up on all these films that are good films, but they're directed by, you know, non-black people. So yeah, yeah, like, yeah. 
you're like, oh, that's not really what I'm looking for. So yeah. when we dive into that, I would definitely want to just kind of, you know, go full full tilt and just broad spectrum everything, especially the early stuff. There, uh, we do want to mention there is a Kino Blu-ray box set that has a lot of those early um, African American uh, cinema films in there that you know they all were restored and whatnot because you know they are rather old. Yeah, yeah, some of them are from the silent era, some of them are from the slightly early talky era, but they're they're very unique. And I would definitely highly recommend people delving into all aspects of cinema. But definitely, definitely of course, that's what we're all about here. Well. Definitely what we're all about here. But that's gonna be it for this episode of the Cinema Discovery Project. Um, Andrew, where can you be found? Um, you can find me on Twitter at Capzilla06, as well as my YouTube channel, Capzilla Productions. And you can find me on Facebook, Stephen Billings. You can also find me uh, showing you all the movies I buy and some other hijinks on uh, Cinema Discovery Project Inst Instagram. You can also find uh, the audio for this podcast on YouTube, uh, Apple Podcasts, uh, iTunes, uh, Podbean, all of them places. And that will be it for this episode. Uh, please uh, let us know what you think. Watch some past episodes. And hey, keep on watching them movies. I know I will. <laughs>